Today is Wednesday, February 15th. The title for our devotional is Unity By. This week, we have moved in our campaign to Paul's teaching on communion in 1 Corinthians 11. We spent the last couple of days exploring the situation that prompted this section of the letter. The church was deeply divided, and the meal that they shared was supposed to be the Lord's Supper, but these divisions had left it completely unrecognizable as such. In response to these divisions, Paul prescribes a solution to restore unity to the church community. So let's read 1 Corinthians 11:17 to 22 and 33 to 34. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So then, verse 33, skipping ahead a little bit. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who's hungry should eat something at home, so that when they meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. Paul's solution is for them to eat together. Remember, the problem is along socioeconomic lines. The wealthier individuals were able to come to the meal earlier, whereas the poorer laborers would have to come to the meal later. By the time they arrive, those who have been there a while are already full and drunk, and there isn't enough food to go around. In order to correct this imbalance, he asks those who arrived earlier to eat something at home to hold them over till they can all eat together. Such a simple solution, right? He asks those who have the ability to be there early to sacrifice and to patiently wait for the other members of the church to arrive. The means of attaining unity, then, is for those of a more privileged status to personally restrict their use and rights to these privileges in the interests of unifying the church and meeting those who are of a less privileged status where they are. The means of attaining unity is a consistent theme throughout the New Testament. You can read about it in Romans 14, Philippians 2, and James 5. As we've explored in the context of the Corinthian church, unity in the midst of diversity and cultural formation was a tall order. Yet it was worth pursuing because it is integral to the kingdom of God. All people from all nations, tongues, and tribes were a part of God's redemptive plan. So this was a good problem to have and one that needed a solution. They needed to pursue it. The way of Jesus provided that solution. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, greatness in the kingdom of God is the way of humble service to others. That principle applied here means that those who are privileged in some way should humble themselves, forego their rights in the interest of keeping unity. This principle applies in multiple contexts of the church today. Racial diversity is probably the most relevant. Throughout the history of America, white European culture has been in the majority. Therefore, applying this principle, it is contingent on white churches in multi-ethnic environments to be willing to sacrifice more of their cultural preferences, things like even music styles, preaching styles, service structures, etc., to produce unity in the church. Of course, graciousness and love are required on both sides but the onus is on those who are in a more privileged position to sacrifice some of their privileges for the benefit of others. The other major example of this principle at play in the church was found in the mask restrictions of the COVID era. Those who had no pre-existing conditions or health concerns were in a place of greater freedom and privilege. The onus was then on them to love their fellow members of the church who were more concerned by being willing to sacrifice their privilege of gathering in large groups, 
going without a mask or staying socially distant. In all, this principle should be the default for Christians. If we are to attain unity, we need a method to do so, and this is it. When we look at the divisions of the church today, I most often hear doctrinal differences are to blame. I believe that in the past myself. However, when I look closer now, I think the divisions are more fundamental, more toxic in the soul of the church. I think the core of the divisions is simply a failure to love one another well. If we love one another well, we will readily give up rights and privileges for others' benefits. Think of a parent with their children. Parents most often readily give up almost all of their privileges to do what they want to when their baby is born. And even as the child grows older and may have different ideas or, or theologies or doctrinal differences than their parents do, they're still willing to sacrifice and love their children. We failed to keep the first and second commandments of Jesus front and center. And as a result, we have massive divisions in the church as a whole and individual congregations. Tomorrow, we'll discuss the why further. For today, reflect on your heart and willingness to give up your privileges for the benefit of others. Remember, the core of this is your love for one another. Repent of your failures to do so. Renew your commitments to love one another as Christ has loved us.